Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? All right, welcome on back to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. It is Friday, May 20th. My name is Jake Luke, and I'm joined on my screen by Spencer Nathaniel Schultz, rocking a little uh, party shirt. How's it going, pal? Going quite well. Got a little floral, a little floral Wednesdays. That's how we're feeling these days. Uh, we have on a very special guest, Mr. Brent Taylor of Roll Bama Roll, our SB Nation compadre. Uh, to call, talk a little Jalen Armour Davis, talk a little Bama football, talk a little Will Anderson, who is an absolute sicko in the head. Brent was a very kind soul coming on to spend some time with us, so have a little interview attached to this bad boy. Yeah, it was a good little chat. We uh, got into, like you mentioned, some J-A-D, and then it uh, also evolved into uh, some Bama talk as well. So very nice to hear that. He gives a, a breakdown on some prospects to keep an eye on for 2023. And uh, yeah, just a a nice little chat in general. But uh, yeah, I mean, we talked, what was it? Is it last night or two nights ago? I think two nights ago already. So not a ton to really break down, but there is a, uh, (laughs) there's a press conference tomorrow that has already happened when you're now listening to this. So we don't really have to give like a ton of predictions on that or takes, but uh, just uh, how we feeling about the state of things. Feeling all right. OTA is coming up shortly after as well. We will see whether Mr. Lamar Jackson is there or not, I'm going to put my money on him not being there as someone who's entering the final season of their contract as a quarterback, uh, not locked up for the long term. So I don't think he's going to be there. I think there's going to be takes about it and quakes about it and all that stuff. Other than that, yeah, that press conference, probably about a punter retiring, perhaps, or something of that nature. So no real movers and shakers coming out. As we said on the last episode, I think we're kind of getting into the quiet part of the offseason. We'll, we'll see some interviews and stuff. I know Marlon Humphrey has Rashad Bateman going on that Studio 44 kick. Maybe we'll get some good sound bites out of that or something soon, but pretty pretty smooth sailing from here. Yeah, definitely, and uh, it's definitely a, a good time of the year for uh, for all sorts of announcements in, uh, in that regard, um, or whatever regard, really. Uh, 2,000 Ravens getting a 30 for 30. That, that's kind of a cool announcement. Definitely really badass. I'm fired up for that one. That is... When I very first became a Ravens fan, when I was little, I think I was 2000, it was January 2001, February 2001, I was seven, I think at that time. So that's when I I really started getting into it a little bit. I remember my brother going streaking down our neighborhood after they won the Super Bowl and 
just butt naked, running down the street with we're a chicken mask. Streaking. We're going yeah, to the quad. It was, it was incredible. And I'm excited for that. Shannon Sharp, Rob Woods, and Ray Lewis, Peter Bolware, Jonathan Ogden, you know, so many, Jamal Lewis, so many personalities, Quadri Ishmael we've had on. So we'll see what that one ultimately holds. Uh, the, the What that team did was really uh, a story that, I don't know if you can tell, uh, the story of the history of the NFL without mentioning the 2000 Ravens and what their defense did. If you don't think they're the best defense of all time, you think they're, you know, third, fourth, fifth at worst. So one of the most dominant performances in a postseason. They allowed, what, one one touchdown that entire postseason uh, on the offensive side of the football, I think. So it's uh, going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait for that one. Really, really, really excited. Yeah, they're, they're not talked about enough, I don't think, in terms of the pantheon of all-time great teams. And uh, it's it's interesting because it feels like every time they come up now, like there's a segment of Ravens Twitter that's like, oh, well, actually, 2006. And it's like, yeah, they you know maybe they were as good of a defense, but uh, we're talking about great defenses here, defenses that had a historical meaning to the game. And uh, this one won a championship and did it in uh, – the most dominant fashion uh, potentially ever. So that's, you know, that's my take on that. Let's calm down with the hipster 2006 stuff. Like they were great, but you know, we, we don't have to, we don't have to do that. You know what I mean? That, uh, yeah. And that, that 2000 defense, they had the jets put up a ton of yards in the final week of the season or whatever. I think it was a meaningless uh, game. Yeah. Kind of. So funny, funny one. That was a wild card team too. That, that was they a wild were, card team. They were a 12 and four wild card. So that was the nature of things back then. Just the the glory days of football. That era of football was my favorite. The most violent, badass, big boys playing linebacker, bigger boys playing defensive line. Uh, guys that were playing linebacker back then are definitely outside linebacker types, maybe even some three techs now. So uh, that was just what got me interested, man. The violence, the pure violence, the gladiator pageantry in the violence of what that team was. Just will never, as I fade into old age and, you know, maybe one day my memory starts to really slip from me, I'll always fondly remember watching them just demoralize opponents, watching Tony Saragusa just lay down on Rich Gannon and in the black hole and just smother Rich Gannon out of a game and squeeze out that AFC championship. All of those things, so many fond memories. You know, it didn't even matter who was playing fucking quarterback. Uh, Tony Banks, Trent Dilfer, it didn't matter if they were scoring touchdowns or not. It didn't matter. That defense was just that badass. So I'll always regard that as, as what really got me into Ravens football and can't be, you know, ecstatic enough for a 30 for 30. I, I love 30 for 30s. There's any 30 for 30 I will watch interested and at full attention for. So pump for that, pump for all of it. So much fun stuff uh, in that. So a nice little piece of delicious off-season cake we're getting a cut of. Uh, even that Hard Knocks. Go back and rewatch that. Go back and rewatch the original season one of Hard Knocks. That's about actually that, that 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 is still the best Hard Knocks season. They're getting progressively worse because it's like turning into a commercial for the NFL. This was before all that shit. This was really good. It was. It was real up close documentary style, like in the shit. Dwayne in Missouri. Um, who else? You know, Todd Heap as a rookie. The Gomer Pyle line. That's that's a really good Hard Knocks. It is. It definitely is. So go go rewatch that. Go rewatch some games. We're getting a rewatch season. I guess that's what we'll do. We'll rewatch some 2000 games uh, this offseason. I think that that sets us up well. You've been interviewing some people to try to have some supplemental info going on. And uh, in the spirit of that, what, 25, tw 25? No, we're not even close. To I don't know. Whatever, whatever the anniversary is, I don't know what's going on. But um, yeah, let's let's rewatch some 2000s games. Go back on the old boob tube 
and watch the the crappy camera stuff and be shocked at how really appalling it was. The great, the, the, go, the all-time, like, goaded commentary era. Like, when we watched that 2003 playoff game, what was that, last year, two years ago, where, uh, like, fucking whoever it was the booth is, like, I think it might have been, um, it might have been Theisman was, like, calling Orlando Brown Sr., like, basically, like, calling him mentally impaired. Like, that was that was quite a time for, for broadcasters. A simpler time. Yeah. A simpler time. So that's what we'll do, but we're pumped up about that. Um, we'll see. I'm sure the Ravens will send shockwaves through the world. Something will happen with Lamar Jackson's contract or not, or whatever whatever else they throw in our face over the coming weeks. Uh, we are moratorium on receiver talk officially as of last episode. So uh, with that said, we can smooth sail into the offseason and smooth sail, I guess, into this interview with uh, Mr. <clears throat> Mr. Brent Taylor. Absolutely. Let's do it. So thank you guys for listening have yourselves a great weekend hopefully uh, nothing apocalyptic happened at the press conference i'm sure it didn't hopefully it is just uh the hall of fame punter of course retiring uh and uh going into the ring of honor uh, surreptitiously very quickly so yeah i'm sure that's going to be the case uh in the meantime follow us on social media you can find the show on twitter at podcast beatdown uh i am at jake luke that's l-o-u-q-u-e spencer is at ravens four dummies that's the number four in the middle Thank you guys as always. Have a great weekend and we'll talk to you again very soon. See ya. Arriba Derek. Wow. All right. We now welcome on a very special guest. It is uh remind me of your title here. It's uh, editor at Roll Bama Roll or one of the editors. What's uh what is your title again? Yeah, I'm I'm one of the editors at Roll Bama Roll. Gotcha. Yeah, it's uh Mr. Brent Taylor. How's it going, Brent? I'm doing okay for uh was is it Wednesday now? Yeah, okay for a Wednesday. Yeah, hump day, I guess. It sounds like you're uh, sounds like you're you're on the road a little bit there too. You're down in uh, you you described it as middle of nowhere uh, Alabama. How, how how's that treating you? Right. Yeah. So I my my main job uh, the the sports thing's actually a side gig, but my my main job is doing water treatment engineering. Uh, so I go around to some different facilities, which they put mostly in the middle of nowhere. Very cool. Well, yeah, I think we can relate to doing this as a, uh, a side hustle, definitely. So uh, we, we feel you on the grind there for sure. But uh, yeah, I guess to your point there about what you do for uh, your side gig, uh, let's get into a little bit of Alabama football and specifically wanted to get you in here to talk about Jalen Armour Davis, one of the Ravens fourth round picks. Uh, it was funny going into the draft because they had all these fourth round picks and we were like, ah, oh, they're not going to use that many. They're going to trade up. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. But no, they wound up I think picking more players in the fourth round than they initially were even slated to. And one of them was uh, your guy, J.A.D. So how would you kind of broadly sum up his game for our audience to start here? So I, I like to start um, kind of a cool thing that I do is I, I normally start with these players as high school recruits and kind of do a lot of scouting on them there. And then I get to see, OK, here's how they were in high school. Here's how they developed, and here's where they are, is getting ready to go to the NFL. That, that's kind of my two favorite transitions. Uh, with with Jalen Armour Davis, he's a a really, really fast player. Obviously, that showed up in his 40 time. Uh, I think he got, what, a 4.38, 4.39, somewhere in there. And that, that showed up in high school, too. We looked at him, we're like, yeah, that dude fast. Uh, but, but he wasn't very polished at the time. There was... He was fast, he was athletic, and he was really, really skinny, uh, had very little technique and bad tackling. And it took him, what, four, basically four years before he even appeared for Alabama. 
And when he finally made it onto the field, we're like, okay, this dude put on 25 pounds. He's not an embarrassment trying to tackle. And his footwork, press technique, all of the above had just made tremendous strides. So broadly, um, you guys drafted Anthony Averett a few years back. Very, very, very similar players. Um, strong, strong cover guys, sticky feet. Not the biggest, not the best tacklers, but they're going to stick with a man. And definitely guys that are able to stay in phase, like you said. You know, I think JAD maybe a little more physical than AA coming out of Bama, just a hair. Uh, JAD definitely likes to stay on that vertical plane. And I would say, you know, kind of struggled to find the ball sometimes. But throughout last year in 2022, what was the story? I mean, this was the first time he he gets that playing time. So what did you see at the start of 2022 as opposed to through the season and at the end? What was his progression as a you know someone watching Bama closely? What did you see him refine? What did you see get exposed? What were his highs, his lows, you know, best performances? You know, what kind of what kind of receivers do you think he matches up well with in Bama's scheme? I think uh one of the hardest parts of Armour Davis is that he didn't get to finish the season. So he, he missed basically the biggest games of the year. And we only saw him for what, what amounted to two-thirds of one total season. So we're, we're operating on a lot of uncertainty. Like we, we don't really have a whole lot on him. You're like, okay, he came in against Miami. He made some plays. Uh, he ended up tipping a pass. Uh, made a go to uh, somebody got an interception off of it, and we're like, okay, this guy's got it. And then he just never really gets targeted. You're like, okay, he's over there on the left side. He disappeared for three games. Cool. Um, and then, you know, the biggest low when he came in, when he tried to come back from injury in the championship game and just got roasted against uh, Cincinnati. So, that's that's basically it. He was invisible, and that's what you want from a corner, I guess. You've seen a, a million NFL guys come through there, and you probably got a pretty seasoned eye for it. At what point did you know he was going to be an NFL guy, and where were you kind of thinking he might get drafted uh, as soon as you knew that he declared this year? I, I figured he'd be an NFL player uh, probably by about the Ole Miss game this year. Uh, he made some pretty nice plays in that one, especially down the sideline and broke up one deep, deep, deep shot down the field that I was like, okay, that's something that a lot of Nick Saban defensive backs kind of struggle with is those deep shots. So that, that was when it kind of put me, put him on my radar for that. Um, I was expecting, I, I don't know. I wasn't really expecting him to declare for the draft. So that, that kind of surprised me. Uh, when he did, I started thinking about it, and I was like, you know, he's probably a fifth, sixth-round kind of guy. And when he came out and hit that 4-3-9 at the combine, I was like, oh, somebody's going to get him in the third, I bet. So, you know, we, we split the difference and went fourth round. Well said for sure. And thinking of all the Bama corners that have been drafted lately, we got J.A.D. Last year, obviously, Pat Sertan the second, uh, Trayvon Diggs prior to that. Talking, I guess, Anthony Averett, Marlon Humphrey, um, going out through the those few. What do you think it is that makes you know Cyrus Jones, who ended up in Baltimore at one point as well, what do you think it is exactly that makes these uh, 
Bama corners, such a pipeline to Baltimore's roster, ultimately. I mean, almost half those guys or half those guys have ended up in Baltimore at some point in their career or were drafted by the Ravens dating back the last few years here. I mean, hey, it started with Ozzie Newsome, right? <laughs> but, I mean, hey, you dip into what works. So, Alabama cornerbacks, there's been, there's definitely been a pipeline lately. Um, and the cool thing is it's been different types of corners too. So you had guys like Pat Sertan and Trevon Diggs are these tall 6'2 rangy corners on the outside. Uh, but then Cyrus Jones was a slot guy that kind of figured out how to play outside, play inside. And then Anthony Averett and Jalen Armour Davis were kind of skinny, low-rated recruits, well, low for us, that got developed and kind of appeared at the end of their careers and then got drafted. So it's been neat to see. It wasn't just the five-star recruits and it wasn't just guys getting developed. There, there was a mix. So ultimately, I think what it is, is that a lot of Nick Saban's um, coverages, so it's a lot of cover seven match, has uh, been working his way into the NFL. So the NFL was really, really heavy on cover one, cover three in the early 2010s after Pete Carroll and all of them took everything by storm with that. And as offenses developed to attack that cover three that got so popular, that just kind of played right into what Saban was doing at Alabama. And that, I think that's why we've seen such a run of cornerbacks working out in the pros at the end of this decade and into the early 2020s. Did Saban ever give him any kind of praise specifically that kind of caught your ear? Because that's something I, I think I tend to pay attention to with some of the better coaches in the college ranks when they talk about their players. Yeah, I noticed actually last year uh, when Jalen Armour Davis was a backup to uh, Pat Sertan and Josh Job, uh, he got mentioned a couple of times in the offseason as a guy that was prepared, ready to go, and uh, – had been for a couple of seasons, and that, that kind of caught my ear a year ago. And then this year, uh, no, not really. I don't remember saying, saying much about him at all this season. For sure, yeah, definitely a guy who flew under the radar. Seems like he, he kind of stayed out of any scrutiny as well and had some injuries that he dealt with ultimately. Um, so in terms of this, this Bama secondary here, I mean, I know Malachi Moore, a guy that's gotten some buzz, uh, Brian Branch, I think someone who's fly, flying under the radar a little bit. How do you think this Bama secondary follows up one of their more, you know, shaky seasons, I'd say, in, in recent history? And where do you see, you know, guys making a name for themselves? And, and what do you think the story of this 2022 Alabama secondary is? Oh, man, the way 2021 ended just, uh, it sucked. You know, it was one of those, like, the secondary had actually been playing pretty well for most of the season. And then both... Armor Davis and Josh Joe at outside corners got hurt in the last few games. And that, you know, then the entire nation watches that in the playoffs and you're like, oh, great. You're just toasting our backup corners. Thanks. So going into 2022 now, these backups got a lot of playing experience in, well, a championship game. And they were true freshmen, first, uh, first year guys. So there, there's some hope there. We'll see. Uh, Alabama did land a transfer out of LSU, who was a fr freshman All-American in Eli Ricks. But the biggest thing I want to get into is Malachi Moore and Brian Branch. 
So that is the slot corner position, which over the last few years, uh, Saban and defensive coordinator Pete Golding have been trying to morph that into more of a hybrid 3-3-5 defense. So there's a third safety rather than a third corner. And a lot of that has to do with trying to get ahead of the RPO trend in college and defending that because where quarterbacks are attacking right now is either run at that corner or if that corner commits in run coverage, throw a slant right over their head. So that, to me, is making the slot corner, or Saban calls it the star, one of the most important positions on the field. So Malachi Moore was the guy basically a year and a half ago and has been totally replaced by Brian Branch. Any, any media that's saying, oh, Malachi Moore is potential draft pick in the first round or whatever it is, uh, he's a backup now. Brian Branch is the guy, and I'm expecting a potential All-American type season out of him. He's been praised for two years as being one of these very, very similar to Minka Fitzpatrick praise a few years ago as a guy that is prepared and got thrown into so many different roles early on that it's taking him a while to really stand out and excel in it. But now that he's rolling into his junior year, I think it's about to be a major breakout. So you hit on some guys there. We hit on the Bama to Baltimore connection for sure. Uh, who are some other prospects that uh, I think Ravens fans, and maybe just NFL fans in general, should uh, keep an eye on? I know Will Anderson is kind of the big name at the top there, but uh, who else have you got in mind? So you've got safety. Jordan Battle is a, I guess, three-year starter now. He, he's a very, very smart, instinctual player and a powerful tackler. I was very surprised he didn't come out. I kind of was too. I was, I was expecting him to go. Um, I'm not. I, I think Battle's biggest weakness is just pure speed, and I'm not sure how he's going to improve that in a senior year. So, uh, uh, yeah, I wasn't sure about that decision either, but I won't complain. Uh, the the other one is his safety mate, DeMarco Hellams. So Hellams got the starting job a little later and kind of rotated in and out all of 2020 before earning the job full-time in 21. I think Hellams is faster and more athletic as well as being just a hammer of a hitter. And I, I think he's a guy that, despite being a senior, is still developing a lot in terms of technique, and mental game and all of that. And those, those are things that are continuing to develop. So he's a guy I'd definitely keep an eye on. So Will Anderson, I mean, I, I don't understand any really mock draft or anything. In my opinion, he's one of the best prospects. And if he does anything similar to what he did in 2022, let alone improves, which I'm sure he will. But I, I just don't know how anyone doesn't have him as the number one overall non-quarterback on their board right now. Um, would you say, and I guess going where I was trying to go back through here, trying to think of when they were coming out, the only other guys that really came to mind in the Nick Saban era that I think are non-quarterback kind of guys and even quarterback guys, to be honest, coming out that I think will have the kind of prestige and ability to be an instant impact player, probably like Amari Cooper, Marcel Darius, Quinnen Williams, maybe Julio, but I, I really don't even know if any of those guys are, are so good. Maybe Quinn and Williams so unanimously like dominant um, and, and such an easy projection to the NFL. So 
what is the the tale of Will Anderson and where do you think we're, we're seeing him and talking about him about 10 months from now in the pre-draft coverage? Uh, and what do you think the season holds for him? I have never seen anything quite like Will Anderson. It has been just an absolute joy to watch. I've got to agree with you, Brent. <laughs> and the, the craziest thing about him is that Will Anderson has pretty crappy pass rush technique and moves and all of that. There's, there's no speed rush. He just goes. And, well, it doesn't matter. He's got, what, 18 to 19 sacks and 30-something tackles for loss. Once he develops even more, more of the refined technique to go with just that absolutely nutty explosion and athleticism, I don't know. It's game over, man. But, he, yeah, Will Anderson is just a pleasure to watch. And he's a pleasure of a person to listen to in interviews as well. He's kind of a guy that is, when, when Alabama was struggling at the start of last season, he stepped up and was like, hey, we're, we're better than this. Like, we are going to play a whole lot better than this. And just kind of took charge as that young sophomore basically took charge of the whole team. And that, that's been so fun to watch. True or false, Bryce Young will be the first quarterback taken off the board in the 2023 draft? Uh, probably false. I he, he's listed at six foot, and that's oh gosh, whatever, <laughs> five ten at best. So that that's going to get dissected. Um, Bryce Young also won the Heisman a year too early, and so he is going to be absolutely picked apart for for an entire season now. And he's not he's not a perfect quarterback. I mean, there are there are definite issues. He takes a lot of very unnecessary sacks. But, you know, there's he'll, he'll be a top 10 quarterback for sure. Probably top five, but I don't think he'll be the first. Got it. Pretty, pretty, pretty tough there for the guy, but he is definitely, you know, 185 pounds soaking wet, maybe. Definitely has a smaller sure. All of those things. Very well said. So uh, what are you most excited about working on for, for this upcoming season? And, where do you think you know Alabama fans are sitting towards the towards the end of the season there and into the playoffs? Hopefully, so I am personally excited about working on an article on kind of what I was just talking to you guys about with the importance of the slot corner position. Um, that's that's kind of my big off season piece. I'm pulling a lot of old interviews and stuff from over the years of how Nick Saban's been developing that and how I think he's trying to use it to get ahead of the basically entire meta of college football right now. So that that's my big project for the offseason. Going into this season, uh, I think we're all pretty optimistic. Alabama honestly overachieved last year a lot more than we thought they would and came within basically two drives of winning a national championship and now we're returning most of that team uh took a few losses but there was only only two first round draft picks this year so that's a lot a lot less to recover from than the normal offseason nice i guess we can close you out with a couple uh a couple more armor davis questions here um and i guess i'm most interested to hear your take on just it sounds like you're breaking down a lot of film so i would ask what are two games that define the Jalen Armour Davis experience at Alabama, good and bad, that people can go back and watch? 
I would definitely look at the Ole Miss game. I think that was the one he was the most involved in. Um, and that was with quarterback Matt Corral. Um, intentionally trying to challenge him and also... Uh, he got challenged a good bit in the run game as well. That, that's one of his bigger areas to work on. Armour Davis isn't the biggest guy or the best tackler. So that, that's a good one to watch on him trying to get off blocks, sometimes getting off, sometimes not, and dealing with those quick passes and screens. And let's see, a second game. I would probably go... The, um, probably the Miami game at the start of the season. He, he was involved there in dealing with uh, a quarterback that threw a lot of slants. And that that's those are tough to cover. So I, I'd go with that one, yeah. Awesome. Well, Brent, thank you so much. I think that about does it for us. We really appreciate you coming on, giving us a deep dive into good old Bama football into Jalen Armour Davis and everything of the sort. So tell the good people where they can find your work and find maybe that article you're, you're cooking up on the star position and uh, talking some, some match or some rip Liz with uh, Nick Saban schemed in, scheme in mind. Yep. Uh, just go over to roll Bama roll. Twitter is at roll Bama roll. Uh, my, my personal Twitter is at btbama 22. I may or may not actually ever post anything about Alabama. But so definitely just stick with our main sports Twitter there. Very nice. Well, we appreciate it, man. You have yourself a, uh, a good time in the middle of nowhere. And uh, hopefully you uh, you and the, the Tide have yourself a, a nice upcoming season. We're, we'll be pulling for him. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. Yep. Later, man. Thanks, Brent. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Everything out of me. They gonna get a Super Bowl out of me. Need that. Need that.